Hi and welcome everyone. You are listening to 100 Conferences podcast with 3DS. This session will be moderated by Yasmina from 3DS and our guest is Veronika Pischur, general partner at Octagon Ventures. Veronika, it's a great pleasure having you here. Discussion today will be mostly about the challenges of first-time funds and a diversity in venture capital. Yasmina, space is yours now. Thank you very much, Pavel, and welcome everyone also from my side. My name is Yasmina and I'm Communications and Investment Manager at Pritias Capital Partners and I'm also the host of today's podcast episode. Today I'm joined here by Veronika Pischur. She's a general partner at Octagon Ventures, which is a Budapest-based venture capital fund, but she's also a CEO at Bridge Budapest and a board member at Startup Hungary. Welcome, Veronika. Hi. Hello, everyone, and thanks for the invitation. Thank you for accepting and being here with us today. Uh, I know about you that you have a background beside business, also in TV production. You've been a TV presenter before. You ran communications agency, and you've worked a lot in marketing. So how did you land in venture capital industry? That's a long story. Probably we will need more time for telling the whole story, but I try to be uh, very short uh, with that. I was originally always an entrepreneur. So when I produced TV programs, my background was also a company background. So I, I was a founder of, uh, of a production company. So my entrepreneurial uh, background was established very, very, very uh, early right after the, the high school, during the university uh, years. And um, later on, I, I decided to somehow uh, finish my television career uh, around uh, 2010, which was before the YouTube era a bit. So I really felt that my television uh, future and opportunities and pr- perspectives are a bit different. And and I, I wanted to do something else. And that was the point when I, I, uh, I, I started to learn and uh, more about startups and get closer to them. And that time, uh, Hungarian Telecom had uh, a new startup program and they were looking for mentors. And someone suggested me uh, to become a, a, a actually a communication mentor for very early stage startups. And that was the point when I uh, started to to know much more about this uh, 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 period of of life and companies. And that was the point when I also realized that this is very similar, how I I, uh, worked and how I lived before as an entrepreneur. And I really could help the, the, the teams uh, with my big picture mindset and communication skills also uh, to see their narratives, to, to see their products, their services through a communication perspective. So, so that was the point when I got closer to them and then, then I met the, with the co-founders of Prezi and Ustream and LogMeIns, so the, the kind of uh, three biggest Hungary-related startups and started to talk with the co-founders of the companies. And we realized that we have many common thoughts and interests and frustrations as well. 
and uh, we felt we have to do something in the Hungarian ecosystem that time. So it's 2011-12, it was quite, quite small eco- ecosystem and we really felt that we have to boost it. And so we, we launched uh, um, a not-for-profit organization which, which became Bridge Budapest. So that was the very beginning of my startup life and, uh, and how I got closer to, to the investor life as well. But we, need, we, we have more seven years with, with the not-for-profit sector. But I, was, I became somehow an ecosystem builder here in the country and uh, had very strong and deep links and connections uh, to this ecosystem. And when Jula Fehir, so the co-founder of Ustream, decided to, to switch and from Startupper uh, after an exit to IBM, uh, he decided to, uh, to start as, a, um, as an investor and become an investor. Uh, he, he wanted to do this with me. So we, we became friends as well, besides becoming colleagues and strong partners in building Bridge Budapest, we decided to, to, to build business together. Uh, and that was the moment when I, I was invited to become an investor. So I tried it to be very short, but I think it was at least five minutes <laughs> to tell the story. And probably it's, it's usually very strange how I, how I came from, from media to, to investment, but this, this is how, I, how it happened. Thank you very much, Veronica. I really love this story and uh, I think you were as concise as possible. Um, <laughs> I find it really fascinating how you came uh, throughout your career all the way to venture capital. And I think it's great to have a bigger diversity pool of people in the industry. Um, but let's focus for a moment on Octagon Ventures. It's a first time fund, which was set up in 2019. And um, I was interesting, what were for you and Gula the biggest challenges as, um, you know, general partners for a first time fund? Uh, we never did a second one. So <laughs> to, to answer simply on this question, so becoming a first time founder uh, at a venture capital firm, um, it's very similar to, to launch a, any, any of the companies uh, from my previous life. Uh, we had the difficulties, of course, in administration, in, in, in very uh, new uh, legal or, or tax-wise um, tax uh, questions. But of course, the, the main issue was to decide that we really would like to build a fund, uh, an investment firm, uh, which, which is uh, accepting just private money. And we really try to do this in a, in a boutique way. Uh, and that, that was, I think, the, the biggest decision what we, what we made at the very beginning. And that was also a, a challenge, how, uh, how to convince people to, to join as LPs and, and, um, and, how to convince anyone at at the first time fund to to um, to convince without traction? So um, that that was that was the challenge at the beginning. 
And how did you decide to tackle this? Like throughout the process, maybe did it become easier and easier? You know, um, um, Jula's story and my background also uh, gave a big boost to this convincing process because we both are uh, very valued in, in our environment, uh, in, in the business community as well. So what Jula did and what I did uh, during my career, it was somehow a confirmation. It was, it was a kind of proof that we are credible people. And, uh, and of course, we decided not to start or launch the, the first with a, with a big commitment, but the, 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 the focus was to, to show the traction so that we balance the amount is needed for this but which is not too big to, uh, to decide uh, wrong way uh, with, with, with the whole commitments and, and with the people around us. So that was a kind of balance question, the, the, the right amount and the right commitments uh, for, for, a, for a nice beginning. Can you share what amounts did you settle on? So what is the size yeah. of the fund and what yeah, are the typical we are commitments? 10 million. 10 million euro fund, so quite small, but we really thought that for a first time investment firm, this is absolutely enough to, to show if we can do this. I wanted to also ask you, was it ever a challenge to, you know, win a deal um, over maybe if you are competing with other funds that already had more track records? So when you're pitching to founders and not to LPs now, uh, was it ever challenging as a first time fund? Not really, because it really matters that Jula has a very credible story with building Ustream. So building a global company from scratch, from this region, and uh, with all the op operation background and expertise he has, uh, and, and with all my connections uh, in, in the regional ecosystem. So um, those things, could uh, convince the funders as well. That's what we experienced. So in the competition, we never really felt that someone is afraid of us uh, because we are first-time funders, uh, first-time uh, investors. Coming back to your LPs, I mean, you have only private LPs, and I think that's really such an amazing achievement for a first-time fund. But I almost dare to say it's surprising in a country like Hungary where so much public money is available, uh, especially for first-time funds. So why did you decide to only take private money? What was uh, the philosophy behind that? That was, uh, that was the question of responsibility. Uh, Julia is also an LP in the fund, so not just a GP, but an LP. So the very first decision was that he also put his money in it and he puts the stake. So uh, that was, the, that was the, the very first decision we make that, that also differentiate us uh, among uh, the many funds that, that his money is in it. Uh, so that was also a proof when we, when we wanted to convince anyone um, from the, the potential LPs. Uh, that that he takes the responsibility with his own own amounts. So um, 
that was one thing and behind the decision that this responsibility was the main uh, point. We, as a first time investor, we really wanted to, uh, uh, to show that our decisions are good enough. And, uh, and to be honest, it's, it's probably um, the state money is there, but not, not for everyone, let's say. And, uh, and we really wanted to have a kind of independence from, from anything and anyone to, to be able to make quick decisions. Uh, and, and that's what we also realized that with institutional money and institutional background, somehow decision, the decisions became more and more complex and, uh, and, and slow. And, and we wanted uh, as, a, as a, a good point towards the funders uh, have this, this opportunity to, to make quick decisions and, and the source or the resource of the money also allowed us to, to, uh, to represent this, uh, this attitude. So responsibility and, and speed Probably these were the two reasons behind our decisions. Of course, many others, but they were kind of smaller, smaller reasons behind. So, uh, as a first-time fund you, that was raised in 2019, you of course uh, w- were ready to invest also during 2020, and we all know that 2020 was a somewhat interesting year, and uh, some investors were more hesitant investing during the COVID crisis and were kind of waiting it out. But others that actually had uh, money fundraised um, still wanted to be active in the scene. So how was it for you? Did you make investments during this uh, challenging times and how did you experience it? Yeah, actually uh, we launched the firm uh, in 2019, April, but of course we fundraised before. Uh, so we were absolutely able to invest last year already, and we we already had a portfolio with five companies uh, um, last year, uh, and we have a new investment this year. So COVID did not stop us, and uh, and we also made follow-on runs two times also uh, to our portfolio. To, to two or four portfolio companies, which are also investments so and investment decisions. So we absolutely wanted to, uh, to invest. Of course, it made us more uh, conscious and, and a bit um, hesitant, but, uh, but we, we decided not to, not to stop. We absolutely realized that that can somehow uh, the whole situation can also become opportunity, not just deeper or stronger risk, because if if we can see companies uh, are growing despite the fact that everyone has challenges and, and difficulties, then those companies are probably good enough to 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 check and uh, and to see closer. So we really. Uh, uh, had the boost to uh, to turn the speed on and and try to try to see as many uh, companies as we could and there are some already in the pipeline uh, 
who are uh, closer to a to an investment, but that's that's about the close future. Were there any industries that you were uh, more trying to steer away from because of the COVID crisis? Steer away. <laughs> Uh, we, we did we did not change the, the investment policy we created or the criteria that we that we that we uh, established last year or at the beginning. So it's, it's still B two B software as a service. Uh, that's the focus. What we decided at the beginning, and uh, so we, we 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 did not change our mind in that and. Um, we did not decide to uh, uh, to turn to another direction. Previously, we were not open to many many uh, other areas, so we try really focus on on heavy technology things, uh, uh, which were of course influenced somehow uh, by the crisis, but not not that much. So, for example, we have a a portfolio company focusing on e-commerce that was also an influence but but a better one so uh and we also uh try to find kind of efficiency uh tools uh and uh, productivity tools uh and that that also was a very uh interesting point now during the crisis as well so so the strategy we decided at the beginning was uh, was somehow COVID proof till now. So, and we really hope it will be uh, in the future as well. Yes, thank you for that. I would like to switch gears slightly and turn a little bit away from Octagon Ventures itself, but uh, more towards the Hungarian investment scene and the ecosystem. Um, <laughs> What do you see are some of the trends? And um, I think in the in the industry, we hear that there's, for instance, a lot of money available in the Hungarian ecosystem right now. So is that true? Yes, <laughs> it's true. Um, it's very hard to answer um, um, to this question. And I try to uh, be very diplomatic. Um, you know, on, on in our role with a with a private uh, uh, investment firm, and and among the very few one who who does not uh, invest state or EU money, then we have a special uh, role or a unique role and unique opportunity uh, on this scene. Uh, and there are some good points what we can we can follow uh, in the past. Uh, few years and of course there are some disturbing or or concerning uh, um, conditions as well the too much money uh, uh, could be good if if it somehow shapes the infrastructure and somehow allows uh, investors and companies um, also infrastructure wise uh, uh, investing, investing in in better conditions and opportunities, but this is not the thing. What's happen? What's happening? Uh, um, what we see that is that, um, for example, the 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 state and somehow EU related money 
uh, are easily achievable for or reachable for for the founders, and and it also uh, resulted that that uh, a, a kind of contraproductive um, um, process started. This is a this is usually a, a red flag for us if we see someone accepting this money easily without conscious without enough consciousness then it tells us that uh, probably their uh, self-esteem was not strong and deep enough to believe that they are able to get uh, investment from from abroad or from from a from a more global player or a more international player so um, many many things come uh, things come into our mind when when we see a company with this type of uh, cap tables, uh, so so this process does not help really for the whole ecosystem, but can uh, deal by deal uh, help us in in uh, in selecting uh, the the companies uh, trying to get new rounds and new investment rounds. So this is a very controversial process, and what well, on I, I really like to talk about the positive sides and positive effects, and what we can see in the previous year uh, years, and especially uh, this year, for example, there was a very um, uh, important gap on the Hungarian uh, scene or, or landscape that we had no uh, organization. Uh, really boosting startups and trying to understand the needs and the opportunities of all the players uh, in this startup uh, field. And uh, that was the, the launch of Startup Hungary, for example, which just happened this year during COVID or right after, after the first wave uh, in Hungary. And I really hope that this, uh, this moment uh, will, will somehow conclude to the point that um, the links between the players of this ecosystem uh, will get stronger, the understanding also among the players will get stronger and deeper, and probably uh, the, the, the state side uh, investors will also understand better the, the needs of the funders and, and uh, we can somehow change expertise and and uh, and knowledge and share also knowledge so i really hope that the the close future will be a bit different uh the the previous years were a bit of mess uh and and the system was not balanced enough i really can see that that funders are uh uh in 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 very different are in very different um, so the founders have have uh, very different decisions and difficult decisions to to decide to to get the easy money, let's say, or to look for uh, for a, a, a hard a harder uh, reachable money, uh, but with with a more international uh, network and and knowledge and background. And it's it's when you are a beginner, when you are uh, at your very first 
stage and moments and you really want to do this. I, I, I can absolutely understand that this is a hard decision. And that's why it's critical to, to understand among all the, all, the, all the investors, doesn't matter where the money is coming from, uh, the, the real needs of the, of the co-founders and, and uh, the real support they can give. Probably it was a very difficult answer, but and you could really hear that I I tried to try to be very balanced in my in my answer. We could hear your brain working. So, <laughs> but thank you, <laughs> thank you for also touching on this topic with me. So there's one more topic that I would like to touch upon with you before we get to the end of the podcast, and that is diversity. I don't want, of course, that it's a too much of a cliche that once we have a female speaker, we're talking about diversity. But on the other hand, it's an important topic for me and I think for the industry. And I would love to hear also your take on it. I think we currently have more female partners than ever before in venture capital. However, still based on the 2020 stats, there is like 65% of funds still have zero female partners. And I think many of the remaining 35% have made, have one uh, female partner next to, you know, several male partners. Um, mm. So my question to you is, what do you think we can do to make the industry more diverse? And this is not only gender diverse, of course, but generally diverse. Um, First of all, I am I am satisfied with this result because uh, I absolutely remember just six seven years ago these numbers were much worse than now, and uh, and this process is 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 changing uh, and rapidly. That's what I can see, and I I can also mention that um, uh, on us this is a huge responsibility and pressure to, to become somehow the first very efficient and successful role models of this, uh, of this balanced, <laughs> I, I mixed balance and gender. <laughs> uh, so, so this balanced um, ecosystem. So that's, that's, um, that's why I think uh, it's, it's very uh, crucial to always stand up and speak out if we can and if we are Asked. And I also like to like to be asked more. Uh, so, so I usually feel that those supporters, so guys who supported us to become partners, uh, because they were most of them were uh, were guys. They are never asked why they why they made that decision because I think that would be also very interesting why they they thought that it. It should be a, a step, and that was a decision on their side as well. And probably these uh, these conditions and these evidences uh, could be really interesting. And I would be happy to hear their thoughts on that. Not just always the the women who are already on the field uh, are talking about diversity, but all those supporters can can somehow convince probably others who are now a bit afraid uh, of making the decisions when they already see the opportunity or when they have already the opportunity to, to make that decision. So probably the supporters could, could absolutely convince them. 
I couldn't agree more with you. Like whenever I have the opportunity to speak on the topic, I always say that we absolutely need to include men in the conversation of gender inclusion because so often we only include women and we have these uh, female only conferences and female only pitching sessions and female only um, whatsoever. Uh, and I find it so important to have men included in the conversation. Absolutely. That's what I see. And, and I, I don't really like it when, when it's an, an all female panel. Before, I also hated the all male, pa all male panels. Uh, when I really felt that there there is a potential uh, or, or there is there is an opportunity for someone to jump in and to make that panel more diverse and more balanced, uh, so I think it's 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 our responsibility to to show that we can really find the the the, the better uh, examples uh, to and to give them the chance to speak. Absolutely. We're getting to the end of the podcast and I have uh, three speedy questions for you. Uh, it's just one sentence answer to each. So the first one is, what technology currently makes you the most excited? I am very excited about all the technology, which is somehow uh, dealing with the elder people and the needs and uh, and uh, opportunities uh, of 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 the whole um, elderly uh, society. Thank you. What do you do to take care of your mental health? I try to sleep well. <laughs> was it a yeah. very short sentence? Should I no, should I make perfect? It I was wondering if to ask you how many hours <laughs> per day do you sleep? Not enough. We don't have much time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. I would um, I would sleep more. Yes. Um, and the last is, what resources could you recommend and why? I, I really recommend reading literature, not just the heavy business books all the time, but being able to get inspiration so, so from, from, from literature. That's what makes uh, uh, my brain more uh, vivid and that inspires me a lot. When I, when I really can read uh, nice sentences, nice stories with real emotions and real decisions in it. Do you have a favorite book or author? Um, I have many, but um, um, I really like uh, Irving Yalom. Um, he's a psychiatrist uh, from Stanford University, and he created a very unique uh, format between uh, be between literature and and therapy uh, and that that entertains me a lot thank you very much veronica before okay. we jump off i would like to do a quick summary of what we talked about uh, one important thing was about the challenges of being a first-time fund which veronica says are similar to any other first-time project and besides some admin, legal, and tax challenges, um, there might be also challenges in fundraising. However, what is important if you don't have track record is to have credibility maybe in the community. Um, and she says it never was an issue when competing for deals, which is great to hear. Um, we discussed also investing during COVID 
uh, they remained active. There are a lot of opportunities beside the risk, and sometimes the bigger the risk, the bigger the opportunity. Um, and then we discussed shortly diversity and came to the conclusion that it is, of course, very important to have role models and keep, speak up anytime we can about it, but also include men in the conversation and have those men uh, support the topic and also speak up on this. Is there anything I'm missing, Veronica? It was a perfect summary. Very good. I try to be brief. I would like to thank you very much for your time and for being here with us today. Thank you. Sometimes it was a very difficult situation to answer, but I tried my best. I really liked it, so I'm sure our listeners will too. Thank you very much and have a nice rest of the day. For you, you too. Take care.